0: Built intentionally, they don't just happen. Nothing just happens, does it? It's built intentionally. God is an intentional God. He didn't just sort of go, ah, throw a few things together like, you know, evolution and hope it all works out. No, he's intentional about every single thing. And he calls us to be just as intentional as he is in building our lives on the Christ. And so you've got this awesome manual. Let's go to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. And it's a story about two men and you've, you probably know this story back to front. You've probably read it a million times because you do read your Bible, don't you? Absolutely. You chew on it like the cow and the cud. Allow it to. And Joshua 1 says, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth but meditate on it day and night and be careful to do according to all that is written in it, then you will be successful and prosperous. Isn't that incredible? All right, are we there? Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears... Everyone say hears. Yes. Not ears. Hears. <laughs> everyone who hears these words of mine and acts... Everyone say acts... on them... May be compared to a wise man. Who wants to be a wise man or a wise woman with your life? How you're building your life. And they built their house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. to say the rock. Not the wrestler. Okay? <laughs> Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell sorry and it fell and great was its fall and i just wanted to show you a quick clip of a building that runs into some trouble thanks guys Anyone been to India? <laughs> I've been to India. They build scary, but isn't it funny how eh? the people were watching with excitement? Just the nature of man or woman. Hey, eh? what's going to happen? You know. But I want to ask us a question. The question is, how long had this building been standing for? Now I don't know the answer to that question, but what I do know was at the given time of testing, at the given time of the trial and pressure this building's foundations and structure were exposed and found out when pressure was applied. Why? Because it hadn't been built correctly and it wasn't built to go the distance. And I want to talk about tonight being built to go the distance from an internal perspective, not so much about the external things we're called to do, but the internal workings that God wants to work in our heart. I've got some good friends of mine and. Anyone here had an issue with leaky home, leaky home syndrome? anybody gone through that process? What a nightmare! I've got some good friends that bought an apartment, and they've just spent thousands and thousands of dollars in court trying to trying to get a settlement on this leaky home that they bought without realizing, obviously, it was a leaky home. You know, there had been shoddy workmanship. The builders cutting corners, trying to get the job done, just not taking the time to build properly, not taking the time to allow things to seal properly, not taking the time and going through the correct process. And our lives can be a bit like that. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I want things and I want them now. We heard this morning that sometimes God, God's de- God delays things because if he gave things to us when we want them, we couldn't handle it and we'd probably blow up. And so he delays some things and he waits because there's a maturing that needs to go on in our own hearts before he releases what he has for us. He is the perfect father. I'm discovering this more and more by having my own children, how perfect God is. This whole thing of the father and just how with myself and my children just wanting to give them uh, responsibility but I know there's things that they can't handle and I'm withholding those things until they get to a place of maturity where I know they can handle those things and there's no difference between us and us and God and he's looking for people who will allow him to rule through them he's looking for people that will be built on his foundations he looks for people he wants to give responsibility he wants to give roles to he wants to give authority to now on earth but also for a greater measure in another kingdom you know the bible the bible says that God wants to give those he can trust with the little little he will trust with much It's not just about talking about here, there is much that he wants to give in roles of responsibility in a future kingdom called the millennial kingdom. And so I've called this thing tonight, building a life to go the distance. Last week we said, if you weren't here, I talked about being built, the church is built on the revelation of Jesus. And the second precept in this process is understand the church is to be built on the living word of God. Greg, what is the living word of God? You know, this thing that I don't hear it ticking? Doesn't speak to me per se? What do you mean the living Word of God? This is what I mean. The living Word of God is His written Word illuminated to us via the Holy Spirit. So it's this incredible book that we all hopefully have. And as we read it, we pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate what God is trying to say to us through this and show us the depths of understanding that this book actually contains. Because you can look at God's one word, you can look at one passage and see different aspects of his truth where he'll start to speak to you like a diamond. It just radiates different elements of his truth, the depth of his truth. It's not a new truth, it's just the depth of understanding. The Bible says how deep, how wide is this love? And so as God starts to illuminate this to us by the Holy Spirit, what happens is it actually starts to feed our spirit in a tangible way. Because you are and I am now experiencing the life power that is attached to his word and this is the thing that changes you. And I think I shared this last week is that God's word is to literally be like food. When it says in Matthew four four that man cannot live on bread alone but on every word, it's not just saying, you know what, it's a nice statement. It's literally saying it's like food. Jesus in us, I am the bread of life, and this living word is to shape us and form us if we will allow it. If we are willing to engage in a process of being built accurately, it will do it. That's the point of it. It's the purpose of it. But we actually have to get out the way, and we're going to look at what that means. But listen to Hebrews four twelve. It says that the Word of God is living and active. That the Word of God is living, it's active. It goes on to say it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It says it judges the thoughts of the heart. That's a scary thing, isn't it? That it judges the thoughts of our heart and it penetrates soul and spirit. It divides. It is an incredibly powerful tool, weapon, When we speak it forth, it can bring literal life. Jesus said, my words are life and they are spirit. And the more we journey together as a community and the more we engage, and that's why it's so important, guys, that we are reading this book. Because it's not just a book, it's food. And when you decide to marinate yourself in it and soak in it and just allow this As you're you're speaking forth, I I, I read my Bible out loud. Do you know why I read it out loud? I hear it. And what happens when you hear it? Faith comes from hearing the Word. Thanks, Warren. (laughs) Now, I do it when I'm on my own because it can be a bit weird. I don't do it on the bus or anything. (laughs) He probably does. (laughs) But I want to encourage you to read this out loud so you can hear what's going on because you know what? Pictures start to form as you just about meditate and start asking God, what are you trying to say to me? I love what Dave McCracken said this morning. God is going to speak to every one of you through His Holy Spirit tonight something for you from this message. There's something that God has for you as an individual that He wants you to meditate and marinate on and to receive tonight. And So there is this... Living word, but we have to realize see, we have to understand that we are the building in the process it 's me and you it 's not talking about a man you know we have the picture of this building, and i don 't know there was a huge tsunami, and all this water rose up, and the rock building got wiped out it 's talking about me and you when trials come, when tribulation come, when testing comes, when the enemy comes. And he starts pushing the buttons that he knows that are in us. That if he pushes that button, this happens. When these things come, when the, the torrents come, can we stand? Because we are being built on the rock. The rock is Christ. You know what the sand is? Our thinking, our feelings, and our will. Good eh? I'm going to read this out. We have to realise that we are the building in this kingdom process. We are the temple that God is building and because of this we have to be careful that we are building our lives on his living word and not on our feelings or our thinking or our presuppositions. So we are able to come into everything God has for us and also when there are times of testing because they will come, Jesus said they will come and we need to stand firm. Now, this passage said there was this man and he was a foolish man because he built his house on sand. (coughs) The word foolish means this, unwise, not worthy of consideration. Unwise, not worthy of consideration. You know what's really interesting about this word foolish in this particular passage? It's the same word to describe the five virgins who couldn't enter the wedding ceremony because they hadn't built a life based on intimacy and obedience. So that same word that he used, this foolish man who built on the sand, the same word foolish is the same word that's used to describe ten virgins that were trying to get in to a wedding the bride and the groom, and they couldn't get in because they were foolish in building their lives. They didn't build it on knowing the Father and then obedience to the Father. Maybe they were just doing a whole lot of things that they thought they were supposed to do. That's why knowing Him... See, when it says in in Mark 12.10, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, it's not an accident. It's intentional. It's very intentional. Why? Because God is not into accidents. He's intentional about every single word that's placed there. That's why knowing him, that's why the church is built on the revelation of the Christ is so important. That we, as we go forward, once again, as individuals and as a community together, that we're marinating in his presence, just asking him, should you just reveal more of yourself to me through this word? You know, this son this that you sent down to save me, reveal the greater depth of that understanding, illuminate it, Father, through your spirit. Does that make sense? See, we have to understand, guys, and this is what I'm understanding more and more with my own children, but we have to understand that there are consequences as a follower of Jesus for living what I just call frugal lives, and living the way we think it should be done. There are consequences. There are consequences here, and there are consequences in eternity. It's not a punishment. It's to do with a punishment in eternity. It's to do with an inheritance. It's to do with a reward. But we have to wake up to the fact that we just can't live the way we think we can call to live, and it's okay. And we're going to look at that Tonight, So what does it mean to build a life to go the distance and build our lives on his living word? Okay, so the first thing we need to realise is Jesus didn't just come to save our spirit. He didn't just come to save you and get your ticket to go to heaven. If he did, we would all be there now. So we have to understand that he didn't just come for that. He came to save the whole person. He came to save our spirit, our soul, our body, our flesh—the whole—he came to bring wholeness to our whole being, didn't he? And so often we can just think that he just came to save me from a place called hell, and our lives don't fully reflect what he calls us to become, the significance, because in our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotion, there's just utter turmoil. Because we're trying to live lives through the way we think. We're trying to determine what truth is. We're so consumed by our feelings, so I'm living on a feeling and a prayer. <laughs> Couldn't resist that one. Get on your Bon Jovi. <laughs> I should have added that name, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> where was I? <laughs> and we're living by our will. When Jesus went to the cross, before the cross, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says, it doesn't actually say these words, but it describes explicitly that you get the picture that he didn't feel like going on the cross. He didn't think, oh, Jesus would be a great thing to do and be whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross. I think I feel like doing that. No, the picture is he is, the Bible says, sweating blood like tears. the right way around, tears like blood. And he's in anguish. But what does he choose to do? He chooses the Father's will over his feelings. Thank goodness for that. Eh? Otherwise none of us would be here. You know what God calls us to do? He calls us to choose his will over our feelings. Every time by faith you choose to do his will over what your feelings, what your thoughts might tell you to do which you know is contradictory to his word you have a Gethsemane moment where you overcome You have a Gethsemane moment. You see, the victory was won in the garden, not so much on the cross. If he didn't choose to go to the cross, there wouldn't have been a cross. And we have to grapple with this as his children, as his sons. Because this is part of the salvation of our soul that he wants to come and bring to us. Jesus calls us All to overcome every obstacle we face, whether that is our accuser or our imperfect nature, which we all have. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And we overcome these things by the power of his spirit. Did you hear that? Not the power of my own willpower, the power of his spirit that lives within me our testimony, what Jesus is doing in our lives. That's why it's so powerful to share as you articulate, as you proclaim, as you prophesy what Jesus is doing in your life. It has an impact on others and yourself. And also, as we know, his living word, which is his authority. See, Jesus gave us his power by giving us his Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came in you, the Bible says genuine power that you receive, And he gives us his authority, which is his living word, to overcome. Jesus overcame everything as a man, like me and you. Yeah? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He knew the word. Which means there is no reason why we can't overcome Because if he he overcame as God, then he sets us up for failure. And he does not do that and he does not lie. And so we have to grapple with this. Because this is the building that he wants to build in us. This This is the life that he wants to build in us. And so when storms come, when things come, when things don't go our way, when people come at us, we come back with what? Love, grace, mercy, you're becoming like the one you follow. But that process doesn't just happen the day you acknowledge him as Lord and Saviour, does it? Anyone perfect here? Anybody struggle with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life? I won't try and stand on that one otherwise I'll fall over. We're getting there with this knee but it's taking a bit longer. It means moving past our justified state or what Jesus did on the cross, making us righteous in God's eyes and allowing the Holy Spirit and the living word of God to define and transform our soul which is our, our mind or our thinking, our will, our choices and our feelings and emotions which really is the control room of a person's life. See this is why it says in Philippians that we are to work out our salvation you ever thought, what? I, didn't, I thought that was free. I'm supposed to work this thing out. I thought it was, a, it was done by grace. It was a gift to me. Yeah, your justified state was. But as we move into this thing called sanctification, I have to work this thing out via his Holy Spirit. So once again, it's not me working it out. It's him in me working through me out. You've got to hear that because I'd hate anyone to run away and go, I have to try and die to me. You can't do that. It's impossible to die to yourself by you doing it. It's him in you just growing and he empowers us to be able to do this. That's why he's given us his Holy Spirit. See, it's slightly a different picture from just praying a prayer and, I don't know, maybe handing out some tracks or serving here or, or being part of the music team, isn't it? you start to realise that that's an element of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But this is a much bigger, deeper thing. And there's a greater purpose for the reason why behind this. This is what the Bible calls sanctification. It's a Biblish long word, but it's in there, so I'm going to use it. And this isn't about our flesh getting better, hear me here, because it can't. It's about the Holy Spirit ruling more in you. So when Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life, he was saying, I am the way, justification. I am the truth, sanctification. And I am the life, glorification. Which is when we will receive glorified bodies, perfect. You'd be able to walk through walls. You believe me? No? Jesus did it. Yeah. He turned up, didn't he? And he said, boys, he appeared. I mean, I think it's trippy that Philip gets (laughs) star-trekked to somewhere else. How can you read that and not go, what? Yeah, we sort of sometimes can read that and go, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Moving along. Hold on a minute. A guy like me, who's witnessing baptizes this, this guy, and I see all of a sudden he's like, poof, gone. God's given us these glorified bodies, perf- bodies, perf- yeah, perfect bodies. Sanctification is where the battle rages for us all. And it's where our accuser is playing his most active part. Because this is where the overcoming takes place. And for those who do overcome, the promises of Revelation 2 and 3 await them. So go write that down, Revelation 2 and 3, and go and have a look at some of the promises to the churches, to those who overcome via the Spirit of God. You see, Jesus takes care of our justified state, by dying on a cross. He takes care of our glorified position, and he says, "Guys, you've got to work out your sanctification via the Holy Spirit and my authority." This is what it calls means dying to oneself." Paul said, "You increase. I decrease." The more of you, Father, the more the intimacy, the more I fall in love, the more I get to know you, the more am I, I'm obedient to your will. Guess what's happening? I'm not choosing my will. I'm not relying on my feelings or my thinking. I'm being defined by him. This is the man that stands or the woman that stands. And when the torrents come and the, the earthquakes come and the king returns... They stand strong. Why? Because they're built on the rock. They're not built on our own thinking. I mean, man's great at that, isn't he? How many, how many people have you heard, you know, well, I feel this or I think that. I don't want to sound harsh, but it doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. That's what he says. He's the creator. I use this analogy when I'm with non-Christians. I say, the watch doesn't tell the watchmaker it doesn't need the second hand. Oh, I don't think I need this little button at the side. I'll throw that away. But this is what we do to God. It's all right. I'll decide how to live and I'll figure it all out and I'll do my little 10-step plan to my life. He's going I built you for significance. You can choose that pathway, but you're building on sand. And I want you to build on the rock because I have incredible significant things for you to become and for you to do now and in a future kingdom. There are roles of responsibilities that I want to give you, but you know what? I can't entrust the things I want to give you if you're going to remain a child. I am not giving my daughters the car keys to my beautiful Nissan car at the age of 20 if they are still a three and a five year old. Why? Because they will kill themselves. He is the most ultimate father. And so this process of sanctification is the church growing up into the fullness and the level of responsibility that God has for us. We will rule and reign with him, but he's not going to give it. Imagine if God gave what he wants to give to us or to me now, with all this imperfect nature. Be quiet. If I was was Jesus, I think I would have jumped off the cross with an (laughs) AK-47 and go, "Come on, where are they? Where'd they go?" So he's, he's looking to see a people who are working out their salvation, allowing his will to define them. The choices they make, are they the Father's will or is it my will? Are they being swept away by their feelings and going from one thing to the next because this happened and this happened and this happened? Or are they making faith choices in me and deciding to, to, by faith to follow me instead of these things. That's why it's the battlefield of the mind. This is where the battle rages. So not only do we have an accuser, but we have our own nature. And I don't know about you guys, but my nature is pretty ugly. Worse in other times. That's why intimacy... But the Father is so crucial because it's our love for Him. Now listen to this. This is so important. It's our love for Him that empowers us to allow the Holy Spirit to rule in us and through us being obedient to His voice. The more you love Him, this is put into a context of people. The more I've become to know Danielle, the more I've loved her. The more I die to myself in our relationship. Now I don't say that with pride or anything like that. She's doing the same thing. The more I love somebody, the more I'm prepared to go through certain things because of love. It's the motivating factor for me to get small. But if I don't love God with all my heart, soul, mind, strength, if I'm loving everything else but How on earth am I supposed to die to myself and let me become small when the very motivating factor which is love for him isn't there? That's why the church is built on the revelation of the cross, sorry, the Christ because the greater the revelation you have of Jesus, the greater the revelation of love you have which empowers you to go, it's not about me, I'm choosing your will over my own because it's substance, it's real, it's feeding you, it's not just you know, the peace and the joy that goes beyond understanding, it's to be real. It's not just to be this nice thing that sits on your fridge that you go, oh, joy and peace, that's lovely. No, it, it, it's to be in us. Building significance. God is building, you guys are significant. And He's screaming at me and us build on the rock, build on the rock. Build on my rock. I've got significant things I want you to become and I want you to do. But just because you've been a Christian 30, 35 years doesn't mean you're mature. Just because you've been one five minutes doesn't mean anything either. God's looking for a heart that's willing to grow, that understands that I'm justified by what you've did. Thank you, Lord, for the, the cross. And Now I'm going to allow you to start to form and shape me. So... How do we build a life that goes the distance? I'm going to fly through this. Galatians 2.20 This is a beautiful answer. It's not an easy answer, but it is the answer along with a few others. Galatians 2, 20. This is the Apostle Paul, he said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Say that to yourself. It is no longer I who live. If you can. (laughs) Come on. It is no longer I who live. Can you hear that? Building your life on the rock. It is no longer I who live. Live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh in this body the life that I'm going to now live from this moment on I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me how do I build a life that goes the distance I live a life in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I'll read you this real quick So, Anyone know who Charles Blondin was? Famous tightrope walker. He announced one day that he wanted to perform a special feat. He wanted to pull a steel cable across the Niagara Falls and walk across the falls from the Canadian side to the American side while pushing a wheelbarrow Full of rocks. It's crazy, eh? No one believed he could do such a feat, especially a reporter who wrote in the newspaper saying that the tightrope walker was crazy. So one day he had a steel cable pulled across the falls and announced he was going to perform this feat on Sunday. Once again, this is the nature of man. Many people came to see him fall and die. <laughs> you see why we need saving, eh? When the time came, he took a wheelbarrow full of rocks, got on the steel cable and began this difficult journey. It was very windy in Niagara and the rushing waters from the falls are very disturbing and frightening. A steel cable that stretched for over a kilometre is very unstable and sways under his feet. One step at a time, he walked that steel cable. Many times he stopped to catch his breath. About six feet from the end, he pushed the wheelbarrow onto the other side did a cartwheel along the rope and made it to the other side. When he was getting congratulated, he saw the reporter, the one who wrote in the paper saying that he was crazy. He immediately asked the reporter if he still believed he was crazy. The reporter replied, uh, Sorry, the reporter replied, he now believed he wasn't crazy as he saw the feat being done. Blondin then asked, Do you think I could do it again? And the reporter said, Yes. Blondin then asked the reporter, do you believe that I can do this again? To which the reporter replied, Yes, I believe you can do this again. Blondin then asked again, Do you really believe? And the reporter said, Yes. Blondin then emptied the wheelbarrow full of rocks and said to him, If you really believe, get in. <laughs> I think it sounds like God. As I said before, see, we must exercise faith. And this, I'm not saying this is, this is easy by any stretch of the imagination. I battle with this process every day. But when my feelings or my thoughts or when I'm tempted or something happens to me, I have a choice to make. I have a choice and it's a split second of a choice. Will I choose the will of the Father or the will of greed? You know, I struggle with visual things. I struggle and have struggled. I have in, in my life in the past, I have sown pornography. As a non-Christian, I've sown that stuff. And you know what the Bible says? You sow, you reap. And so my battle, I'll be transparent with you tonight and trust that it doesn't go anywhere, although it's on CD and going on the website. the CD. Cut the CD. I've struggled with that stuff. I've struggled with that stuff and I've had to put what I call off-ramps in place to help me. Because the enemy knows that's a weakness of mine. That's incredible how you can be watching TV, watching sport and all of a sudden, bang, up pops whatever. At 5.30 in the afternoon that thought gets planted into your mind. And all of a sudden, I don't know, a week later, the enemy decides, right, boom, and then there's that image again. And you've got a split choice. Am I going to choose my will, this flesh thing that wants to go and have a look or do something, or am I going to choose by faith and know this word and start prophesying this word over my own life and in this battle start encouraging myself like David did in the word of God, which means I have to know the word of God and I'm in a fight That's what Paul said when he said fight the good fight of faith. It was more about the internal battle than actually someone trying to chop his head off. I'm fighting in the spiritual context. Because I want to be built on his will, on his truth. Because I as I'm doing that via the Holy Spirit, there is substance happening on the inside of me to be able to resist these darts and these things that come in time. And so I've put things like in place, like putting stuff on my, inter- you know, on, on my computer. If I look at certain things, an email gets popped out somewhere. I've shared my struggles with my wife. You know how easy that is? Not. But, guys, you know how empowering that is? You need wisdom, okay? I'm not saying rush off and just go. Whoa! This is where I struggle. Use wisdom, timing. That's very empowering for me. I'll do things like if I go into garages, I'll keep my eyes locked on the attendant. Times, you know, because and, and the world's not silly. I mean, it pumps the stuff right in front of you. I mean, you can't look at a magazine or a paper with something standing out. Like you walk around like this all day. <laughs> <laughs> <a bit> <laughs> we have to make convicted faith choices, not feeling based choices. Or we'll put it in another way, we must carry a conviction of what we believe. Proverbs 3 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. You know, we sometimes go, "That's just too hard. That's not even reality." No, it can be. It very much can be because this thing, the Bible says. Listen to what Psalm 19 says. Sorry, Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Let me put it this way, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring my mind, my will and my emotions. We must recognize the power and the authority of his living word to transform us. That's why Psalm 3 says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You see, when we take the inspired, revealed, living word of God and exercise faith to it, There is genuine power released to see transformation. And I've got victory in that area. Is it fully nailed down? No. I'm going to be transparent and honest. I don't struggle with a whole lot of other stuff. Have I got total, you know? No. I'm fighting this. This is part of my overcoming process. And God says, I've given you my word, I've given you my spirit, Greg. And what I don't save you from, I walk you through. And you know the beautiful thing? There is no condemnation in Christ. What he did at the cross for me, I'm not condemned by my struggle. I don't feel any condemnation at all. I feel love. Even when I mess up, I feel love. Because there is no condemnation for those in Christ. That's the enemy trying to make me feel condemned. But the Father says, come on Greg, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The Father says, well done. Well done. You're building on the rock. You're building on the rock. I've got more, but that's it. I think, um, hopefully you've caught. And... I think I'm speaking in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe I'll finish it in a couple of weeks' time. But I hope you've heard something from the Holy Spirit tonight that you can take away with, not just me confessing my stuff. (laughs) But the reality is we're all in this together, aren't we? There is no hierarchy in the church. Well, there shouldn't be. We're all doing this together, walking this way together. Building on the rock. Building lives of significance. Not only for when pressure comes, but for the things that God wants to bestow on you as a son, as a daughter. Father, I just thank you for tonight. And Lord, I pray that your spirit is just, in all of our hearts, just dropping seeds, nuggets that uh, we can chew over and meditate on. We love you, God. I thank you that you've covered every basis for us, Lord, that the only way is forward. And I pray, Father, we would take your word, we would take this living word, we would understand our authority and the power that lives within us, and we would just prophesy and speak it forth and declare, encourage ourselves in times of temptation and all those things, but even more than that, Father, that we would start to, Understand our, our uh, knowing who you are and that, that intimacy and from that place being obedient and being able to hear your voice and fulfilling your will here on planet earth. I thank you for these significant people. I thank you Lord that we have a community of ages and colours and cultures and the nations that are here and as we continue to move forward together as one in one spirit One mind, one purpose, one love. I pray your power would reside here in your presence and Father heart would just emanate from this house. In Jesus' name, Amen.